Thanks for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. My name is Brad, and I'm the lead campus pastor and primary preaching voice here at Cornerstone Church Airdrie. We believe that the God who spoke so clearly all through the pages of Scripture is still speaking to his kids today. So if it's me who's speaking to you or someone else on this recording, as you listen, we pray that you would know God, know his hope, know his purpose, and know his power. Enjoy the message. Surprise, we're going to look at Luke chapter 2. Never have guessed that at Christmas time we would look at Luke chapter two, but I want to I want to unpack something that comes out of this Christmas story. But to take what this story has to say in Luke chapter two, and to really dig deep into what Scripture, what the Bible, what God meant, but not just as part of the Christmas story, but. What this Christmas story means in our lives beyond Christmas. Because that's really the big part of Christmas. And that's really what we've been trying to to look at, to emphasize, to do during this Rediscover Christmas series is for us to understand that even though we come back to these stories all the time, that, that week in and week out during the month of December, and we've still got a few more services, but you know, on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, and we're gonna be back to Luke 2, and we're gonna be back to Matthew 1, and kind of these consistent passages that we come to. But the reality is these stories aren't just for December. Um, they're for our lives all the time, and the things that we pull out of them, we don't just pull them out for 25 days and then put them back in their little box and we'll pull them back out. We may talk primarily about these passages just at Christmas, but the reality is that these should hopefully have an impact on our lives all the time. But the part of the story that I want to take a look at tonight, or today, tonight, I must have been in the habit of writing my Christmas Eve some talk or something, but today, this morning, we're going to look at where the angels appear to the shepherds and what they have to say to them. And we're going to actually talk more about this moment specifically on our Christmas morning service, what, all the things that are taking place around this moment. But the short version is that Jesus has just been born. And, and immediately after Jesus is born, we, we read in Luke that the baby is born, and then immediately Luke starts telling another story. That Jesus is born and then a new story begins right away. That, that suddenly we cut to this other story that, that the angels of heaven are going to proclaim the birth of a Savior that to let the world know that Jesus has been born. And for some reason they decide to do this with a random group of shepherds that happen to be working Christmas Eve. Working in a field somewhere near Bethlehem where Jesus had been born. And Pastor Matt talked about this story and, and what takes place around here a bunch last week. But the angels show up and they begin to speak to the shepherds. And this is what they say to them. They say, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find this baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And specifically, what I want to unpack for us today is actually the last part of the very last verse that we read. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
Now, a couple of weeks ago, if you were with us, two Sundays ago, um, I had a chance to talk to us about who are about God's favor. Really, we looked at that meant God's grace and who that actually rests on. And the reality was that it rests on you, that, that each one of us are, are, have God's favor on our lives, have God's grace on our lives. And here the angels, they appear to these shepherds and they say, look, because this baby was born, because this miracle has taken place, there is something that will happen in the lives of those who are favored by God. There is something that should happen in our lives because we are favored by God. For the people on whom his favor rests, that's us. We should have peace. And what I want to talk about this morning is, is I want to unpack a little bit and help us to, to maybe understand, maybe have, have maybe a moment of revelation in our lives or something about what it would mean for us to have peace in our lives as believers. And I want to ask you, and this may be challenging with your mask on, you may really have to project here. Or if you're watching online, feel free to answer in the comments. But what, what does peace mean to you? When you think of the word peace, what picture comes to mind for your life? You can say something. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll awkward you. I'll wait. What do you think? When you think of peace, if you were to say just a moment of peace in my life, what do you think of? Silence. No anxiety, no fear. Calm. And what does that look like? What does peace look like in your home? No fighting. That's my wife. Um, the, the, you know, when we, when we think about, what, even when we say, like, like we talked about, like, you know, people will say, I just want some peace and quiet. And what does peace and quiet mean? Just everything quiet. Everything soft. No noise. No fighting. No craziness. And as we look at these answers and what it means for us to have peace, we can get a bit of an idea of what, it, what, we, what we think of when we think of peace peace. But I think that, that what it, peace is one of these words that I think we all kind of know what it means. That if I was to say, oh, I had a peaceful day at home yesterday, we would all kind of be able to understand what that meant without perhaps knowing exactly what that meant. That, that what, peace, if I said I was to have a peaceful afternoon, for me it might have meant that I got to watch football or that I played some video game. And for you, you might think, that's boring, I don't want to do that. Or what, but, you know, for each of us, it means something different, but we kind of understand it. We, we, have, we had quiet kids. Or maybe I had the house all to myself or whatever it looked like. But to understand the word peace is to understand that it looks a lot bigger than what we mean when we typically use it. It's, it's something that we all kind of understand, and it's certainly something that we all want in our lives. But somehow, even though it's something that we can all agree on, it can still sometimes be so elusive that we as, as a people, we're all wanting peace in our lives. But yet, if we were to say, how many of you live each day of your life just in this wonderful, content peace. Most of us would probably say, that's not my reality. That it's something that we all want, but it's not necessarily something we all have. It's a good thing to long for, 
but it's something that in its truest form can really be hard to find. And I think one of the reasons why perhaps we, we can seem, or that it can seem like it, it's so hard to find peace, and, and why it's so hard for us to put our finger on exactly what it is, is because I think when we talk about peace, we don't really talk about peace the way the Bible talks about it. We don't talk about biblical peace. We talk about this sort of thing that we can all agree on. That When we talk about peace, I think some words that might come to mind would be described as things like comfort and ease and stress-free. I think if we were to, to say a working definition of peace that maybe we could all agree on would be something like peace equals an absence of conflict. That, that in, a, in my life, if I have peace, it means that I really just don't have conflict. That, that I, don't have to, I don't have to live inside of conflict. It, when we think about peace, it means just not, none of the bad stuff. N none of the stuff that robs me of my peace, my joy, my contentment, my comfort. None of the bad stuff. Have you ever had one of those moments where you commented on the wrong thread on Facebook? And suddenly, there's no peace. And your little notification bell is just ding, 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 ding. And, and your phone is buzz, 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 buzz. And you think to yourself, I just want this to go away. And you unfollow or you turn off notifications and suddenly there's no more ding, 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 ding. And, and, we, and we can sigh and think, oh, peace. The idea, the idea that we can have is that somehow by removing the conflict, we can have peace. No conflict no peace. No kids, no conflict, peace. That, that if we don't have conflict, we can have peace. But the problem with this idea is that it really doesn't give us an idea of what peace is. It can tell us a little bit about what peace is, but we don't get to see actually what peace is because peace isn't just the absence of conflict. Peace isn't just something not being there. That that's, that's not what peace is. Peace isn't just the absence of something. From a biblical perspective, peace is way, 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 way bigger than that, than, than just the absence of something. It's much bigger than just the absence of conflict. The word that's used here for peace is, is this word, and it's pronounced irony. That's the word that, that's used in this verse when the angels proclaimed peace this is the word they use. Now, it's not the word that we would actually usually associate with the word peace in the Bible. Um, typically, if, if you were aware of, of the idea and concept of peace in Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, the word that you would probably think of, if, 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 you, knew the, if you knew the word, and I would say, what's the biblical word for peace? You'd probably say, if you knew, you would probably say shalom. That, that shalom is, is typically the word that we think of when we think of peace. But this word, irony, is used here. But the good news is, irony and shalom actually have essentially the same meaning. And the meaning of both words is actually fairly interesting. Because the assumption that one would make is that when we translate the word shalom, when we translate the word irony, that when we translate it, it would mean peace, right? We translate it peace, it means peace. I know what shalom means, it means peace. But actually, no. 
Both of these words when we, that we translate peace, actually at the very root of the word, the concept they express is peace, but the meaning of the word is actually different. Both words mean complete or wholeness. That's what the word peace means. And it's an image word. It describes sort of a scene. It's a word that, that describes sort of a, a, a word picture. And the image that it, that it gives us, the image that it shows with us, is a stone wall. A stone wall that has no gaps or holes in it at all. That it's a stone wall that's completely finished. And there's two things that we have to understand about these sto the stone wall that these, these conjure, because these will help us understand peace. First, it's complete. It's finished. That there are no holes, there are no, there are no um, gaps or spaces. It, it's completely finished. It's exactly the way that it should be. It is without, um, without any issue or compromise. There's nothing wrong with the wall. There's nothing that, that the wall doesn't work for. It's all exactly the way that it should be. So that's the first thing that we need to know to understand that the word shalom, the word irony, the word complete means that it is completely finished and together exactly the way that it should be. The second is that it's really complex. That it's not just one big stone. We say, there, there's a stone wall or a, a series of big stones. It's not just a hill that serves as protection, but it, it's a very intricately built, intricately put together with intention and expertise. It's complex, it's difficult, it took work. And so we take this thing that's complex with all of its moving parts and everything that needs to go into it. That, does that sound like life at all? Complex, moving parts. It needs lots of different things to go into it. We've got marriages, we've got relationships, we've got friendships, we've got finances. We've got so many pieces in our lives that are always moving and they're always changing. And we take this thing that's always moving and it's always changing but what we think of when we think of peace is just when things stop going badly. But real, true peace runs deeper than that. Peace is not just not bad. But peace is when all of those moving pieces, each of those individual parts of our lives, of our stories, our work, our kids, our families, our, our jobs, our stresses, our commutes, all of the things, the Christmas presents and the Christmas plans that aren't happening, all of the things that are going on in our lives, all of them settle exactly in to where they're supposed to be. They're complete. We have all of this craziness and hecticness and so much happening. And somehow in the middle of all of this craziness, everything that's happening, all of these moving parts, life is complex and full of moving pieces and parts. We have family, we have friends, we have co-workers, we have our church family, we have our neighbors, we have people we just run into throughout our lives. We have all of these different people and places in our lives and all of these different relationships and all of these different potential points of conflict. And somehow in all of this, we're supposed to find irony. We're supposed to find shalom. We're supposed to find peace in the middle of all of it. And when something comes out of order, something falls out of order, we no longer have irony. We no longer have this shalom in our lives. 
Perhaps you know that this feeling, perhaps you've experienced this feeling in your life where you have conflict with someone and it just becomes awkward and hard and that relationship suffers and other relationships around that relationship may begin to suffer because of this relationship that are, our lives are falling out of shalom. They're falling out of irony. But it's not that our lives or a relationship just don't need conflict when they fall out of peace or shalom or irony. But or they, they just not, we just need to get rid of the conflict. Just, just get rid of the conflict. Push it all down and it'll be fine. But they need to have shalom. They need to have irony brought into it. It's not just that they don't need something, but it's that they actually need to have something brought into it. It's not just if we can get rid of this, but it's that we need to bring in this other thing. Our relationships need healing sometimes. Our relationships need forgiveness sometimes. They need admission of guilt sometimes. They need awkward conversations sometimes. Some of us have relationships that we have walked away from because we saw them in Safeway in aisle 15. And we turned around and went the other way. Because it's just easier to not have conflict than it was to have real peace. Some of us have lost friends and lost relationship and people in our lives because we looked to not have something. We looked to squelch the, the, the peace, we, or squelch the conflict. We look to just push that down rather than bring in what it took for real peace. And so if we understand that peace is more than just an absence of conflict, that there needs to be this other thing brought into it, I want to take a look at, at, for the rest of our time together this morning, what that other thing is. What is the other thing that we need to bring in? That, that it's not just we need to not have conflict, but there needs to be this other thing brought in that will help to work through the conflict. Remember, we started down this road today because the angels declared that the coming of baby Jesus would bring peace to those on whom his favor rests. You see, years and years before this baby was born, before baby Jesus was born, there was a prophet named Isaiah. Prophet was someone who spoke on behalf of God. And he spoke about what this coming savior, spoke about this coming savior, this coming baby, this baby that was going to be born. And this is what he said in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There's this baby that's going to be born one day, and he's going to be all of these things. But the reason why the angels proclaimed what they did to that day, that, that the, on earth peace on whom their favor rests, was because this baby who was being born was the prince of peace. And in this baby, peace had come. God's peace had come to be with man. God's peace had come to be with us. Biblical peace is this. Biblical peace is God with us. 
The peace that we can have as Christians, the peace that we can have as, as sons and daughters of God, is not a peace that simply comes because something's not with us. That something's not in us. That there's just not conflict. Our peace is bigger than that. Our, our peace is that we can have biblical peace when we have God with us. And God exists with us even in conflict. It's not that oh, as a Christian, not as a believer, I can have biblical peace because I will have an absence of conflict. It's that in our lives, our lives are meant to have seasons of conflict. They're, it's going to happen. But with, God, but with God with us in the midst of conflict, that's where we find our peace. You see, peace has far more to do with the presence of God than it does with the absence of difficult moments. Peace isn't found in places or in circumstances. But true peace is found as we become at peace with our path. Whatever that path looks like. That we can find wholeness and completeness on whatever path you've found yourself on. This week has the potential to be an extremely hard week for many. An extremely hard week for us to be at peace on our path. That come Christmas morning, many are going to be thrust into a path they never wanted. When suddenly, for the first time ever, this isn't going to happen. Or for the first time, maybe in my entire life, I won't be able to see. Or maybe this, this won't be the first Christmas that I get to spend with. Or maybe there'll be moments where we, where we have these moments where we say, you know, this morning we were supposed to be. Right now we would have been on an airplane. Right now we would have been at grandma's house. Right now we would have been doing, that, that there's the potential for so many things for this week to be robbed of. That maybe your family tradition is Christmas Eve and you would say, Christmas Eve, you're going to be sitting at home saying, this is the first Christmas Eve I haven't. There's going to be potentially so many things, whatever it may be. And the path that we found ourselves is going to try and rob us of our shalom, of our irony. That we're going to come to this place where this is not peace, this is not what this was supposed to be. But we don't need to find a new path. Life doesn't always work like that. Sometimes in life we can have the opportunity to start down a new path. But it doesn't always work like that. What we need to do is find a way to find peace on our path right now. We need to find peace on our path. And we see this in probably the most famous psalm. Psalm 23. Verse 4, which, which shows us this. It says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, some, some translations will say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though on the path that I am on, it will lead me to the worst possible place. This is, the, this is somebody who needs a new path. This is somebody who would say, God, would you give me a new path? This path is not good. It's not right. It's not whole. This is not what I needed in my life right now. God, how did I end up here? This isn't the path of peace. 
But if you read what, what David says here, it's no, he doesn't resent his path. He doesn't say, even though I walk, or God, even though I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, what is the deal? God, do you know where I am? God, would you do something about this? God, you, this is not okay. This is not right. The path isn't hated. The path is the path. And where it's led is where it's led. And we need to find peace on our path. Even in the worst possible moments in our path. David has come to, to the darkest valley, to the valley of the shadow of death. And what does he say? I will fear no evil, for you are with me. See, listen to this. This is peace in this moment in our lives. God doesn't take you out of the valley. God meets you in the valley. God's not a plucker. He, he's not going to just reach down and, and pluck you out, pull you out, rip you out. God's not going to just pluck you out. But he does promise that he will never leave us or forsake us. Even in the deepest, darkest, most uncomfortable, most agonizing valleys and moments of our lives, he promises, I'm going to walk hand in hand with you. Even in the darkest seasons of your life, through the most difficult things you will ever face, face when your path takes you to places you never wanted to go, when Christmas is not Christmas, I will be right there with you. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. Peace is God with us. It's not that he delivers me from it. It's that he meets me in it. You see, your depression, your anxiety, your loneliness, your anger, your fear, they're real. They're not pretend. They're not somehow just weaknesses or flaws inside of our character that we experience these things. They are real. And they can make us long for a new path. They are real. But so is God. And God promises to meet us on the path we are on. It's not that you're not going to go through it. But it's that you're not going to go through it alone. So often we can desire and spend so much time and energy on looking for the absence of conflict in our lives to find peace. But to find peace, we don't need to lose something. We need to try and find something. We don't strive for the absence of conflict, but we pursue God's presence. We find Emmanuel. We find God with us. We find that the Prince of Peace is with us. Then we discover we don't need to find peace because we discover we already have peace. We don't need to find peace. We need to walk in peace because you are highly favored. 
And the angel said that the coming of this baby Jesus has brought peace for who on who or for whom his favor rests. On whom his favor rests. And that's you today. You have the gift of peace. And it's not just at Christmas, but Christmas serves as a deep reminder that in everything that life is, you have peace. Oh, come, oh, come, Thanks again for listening to one of the audio messages from Cornerstone Church Airdrie. I pray that you were blessed by what God had to say in this message. If you would like to connect further with Cornerstone Church, there are a couple places you can go. First is our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com, and select the Airdrie campus. And some of the best ways to connect with us is through our social media channels. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstoneairdrie, follow us on Twitter at csairdrie, and on Instagram at cornerstoneairdrie. If you'd like to connect with the pastoral team at Cornerstone, you can do that again through our website, cornerstonefoursquarechurch.com. Click on the Airdrie campus, then click on the About Us on the main menu, and then one last click on Our Campus Pastors. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and get new messages delivered directly to you. We are so thankful to be able to share the gospel message of Jesus Christ with our community in Airdrie and with you today. At Cornerstone Church Airdrie, we are a family not by blood, but a family that's been bought by blood. And that family includes you. We follow Jesus together. As family we go.